Welcome to another episode of the Tactical Leadership Podcast, where we focus on building better businesses. I believe in order to be the best leader that you can be, you must be willing to be the first follower and have a servant mentality when you're in a leadership position. If you want to be the best leader that you possibly can be, be sure to stay tuned and listen to industry leaders and hear how they built winning cultures in their own businesses. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Tactical Leader. Today, I am bringing back Wayne Mullins. We're going to talk about how he has built and scaled his marketing firm since the last time we spoke and released the book, Full Circle Marketing. Before we begin, I want to remind you that this show is brought to you by Nightly Productions and Be a Tactical Leader. Overall, we are building a community of like-minded entrepreneurs that are building, growing, and scaling different aspects of their business through self-mastery and business mastery. So if you want to join the community, head over to beatacticalleader.com forward slash join and hop in and find out how you can enjoy our battle space together. Wayne, welcome back to the show, my friend. Hey, Zach. Thank you so much. I'm excited about this conversation. I know the last time we visited, we were chatting just before we got started here. We think sometime about a year ago. I know we had a great, great chat. So looking forward to this one. Yeah, man. And it's exciting to kind of see and, and almost fast forward a year or so into uh, growth and business. And you're on a really good upward climb when we had you on last. And overall, this was really, we want to highlight the book. You released a book in that time, but I want to give the audience just kind of a reminder before we dive into that about who you are, where you're a husband, a father of four, a founder, an entrepreneur, and an author. Over the last 20 years, you've had the privilege of scaling multiple companies and helping hundreds of entrepreneurs do that with their companies, all through your marketing agency, Ugly Mug Marketing, where you've won praises from leading influencers around the world, such as Neil Patel, Chris Voss, Greg McCown. Overall, there's nothing you love more than helping entrepreneurs push through limiting beliefs and achieve more than they thought possible, which is going to be a lot of fun conversation to unpack because I think marketing is one of those where their limiting beliefs are probably most prevalent in business for people. But before we dive into that, just give us a fun fact about what's been going on in your life since we last spoke. Yeah, I mean, uh, lots of family activities. We've got kids in various activities. So our kids, the four kids range in age from eight to 14 three boys and a girl. And so we've got lots of activities running around with the kids, keeping them where they're supposed to be, when they're supposed to be there. So that's the extent of my life other than what takes place here at the office. And then of course you release the book, Full Circle Marketing. It's transform your marketing and turn customers into evangelists. Can you give us just a little bit of insight of what drove you to writing the book and a little bit about the book itself? Sure. So the book itself came really out of the conversations that I had day in and day out and our team has day in and day out with prospective clients and current clients about our approach to marketing and what makes our approach to marketing a little bit different, a little bit contrarian to what most people do. And so I really just wanted to take what we teach, what we talk about, the way we apply marketing principles and put it in a format that anyone, regardless of your budget, right? If you can afford the cost of a book, you can take what we do every day for clients who pay us, you know, thousands of dollars each month, and you can implement the exact same strategies that we implement for our clients all over the world. 
And I was lucky enough for y'all to send me a copy that I was able to delve into. So I'm going to pick a little bit out of it without releasing too much of the inner secrets from the book. And before I really kind of dive into their chapter 10, where it call, it's called Stop Being So Demanding, I found really, really interesting. Um, and I want to dive into that, but I want to set that up by talking about the piece where in your bio, you talk about limiting beliefs and you talk about how entrepreneurs sometimes struggle getting their marketing content out there and they don't want to take that step in the limelight for whatever those limiting beliefs would be. How do you help clients work through those aspects of saying, maybe I don't deserve or I'm not worthy enough to be in the limelight? Yeah. So first of all, it's a struggle for me personally, right? So as a father, as a leader, as an entrepreneur, the biggest battle that I face day in and day out is the person that looks back at me in the mirror every day. And so that reality or what I love helping other people overcome is a reflection of, no pun intended to the mirror thing, but a reflection of the same battle that I personally deal with. And so, you know, a quote that I love right now, that that's kind of my quote so far of the year is this, that if you want your personal reality to change, you must change your personality. So if you want your personal reality to change, you must change your personality. And so what that says is we can't continually want and wish and hope for a different reality, a different future in our lives without looking at ourselves and saying, okay, if I want those things to be true, if I want that desired outcome, what must I change within myself? What must I give up? What must I sacrifice? What must I transition to become? And so the same applies in the entrepreneurial landscape as well. As business owners, we often have these ideal kind of these big picture visions of the future of what we want to create and what we want our world to look like, right? Our entrepreneurial world to look like. And then we get in this cycle where we're always looking ahead at this ideal scenario. And then we look at where we currently are and there's this big gap and we get frustrated by this gap. And, you know, I think one step is you have to learn to actually love the gap, to learn to love the struggle, to learn to love and endure the pain that you're going to go through during this process. Because, you know, if anything over the last 20 years um, of that 20 year period, I've gone, I think, 17 of those years self-employed in some entrepreneurial business or endeavor. And what I can tell you is that you never truly arrive, right? You never truly get to that ideal future. You're always in this space called the gap. And it wasn't until I really learned to embrace that gap, to learn to actually love the struggle and appreciate the fact that I'm going to be in this journey. This is not a journey with a destination you're going to quote unquote arrive at. And so when we transition that to working with clients, you know, believe it or not, Zach, that's where a lot of the conversations start. It's oftentimes people come to us and they have this ideal future for their marketing, right? So people are going to magically flood their inbox or flood their orders through the website or whatever it may be. And that is possible, right? It's possible for those things to happen. But the question is, what is it about the way we operate? What is it about the way we lead? What is it about the way we market that we must give up, that we must change in order to get that ideal outcome? I mean, that's a perfect lead into chapter 10, where it's titled Stop Being So Demanding. And what I really found I laughed when I read that chapter because it brought me back to like my first marketing company that I ever hired. And this has been five or six years ago. And I was frustrated because it seemed like we couldn't communicate in the same wavelength. 
Like I was telling him this, he was hearing that. And we had different ideologies from the get go. And it was one of those where we couldn't, we just couldn't seem to get on the same page. So when the content came out, I was like, I just don't like it. Like it doesn't correlate with me, which means I feel like it won't correlate with the audience, but he had, he's the marketing expert. So I'm like, okay, whatever, we'll let it ride. But the performance wasn't what I'm like. I'm, I thought like, here's the floodgate, right? I spent all this money. Here's the floodgate. I'm good to go. But that, that made me laugh reading that because it's, we think it's going to be like a, a virality when we start marketing, right? We think it's like, oh yeah, I'm the next viral YouTube TikTok star. And that's just not how it goes. Can you explain that a little bit better for us? Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the things that we often find that clients or prospective clients, when they come to us, they embrace what we call the prayer strategy. So they find this new platform, whatever it is, TikTok, Instagram, you know, Snapchat, whatever the platform is. And they get all excited about it because they see a few people succeeding. They see a few people doing a post that goes viral and instantly overnight their success, right? And so they get all excited about this thing and they go start doing that thing and they're met with, you know, the sound of crickets in the middle of nowhere, right? So nothing happens. There's no flood of people. And so they start getting a little bit frustrated, but they dive into it a little more. They push a little harder into that platform, into that thing. And they finally get to the point where they're hoping and praying that it's going to work, right? So they're just watching what other people do. They're taking what they do and they're trying to replicate it. And then they're praying that it works. And the problem with that is what's working for that other person Oftentimes, we don't see the true assets that they have in place or the assets that they're building with that. All we see are the actions that they're taking. And so if we're not careful, we confuse the actions that they're taking with the assets that they're actually building. And that's a very important point because in, in the website side of our business, so we build custom websites, the number one salesperson for us in terms of getting us new websites is when a competitor builds a new website. So in other words, let's just say that you own a local coffee shop, your competitor down the street at another local coffee shop gets a new website. You see it and you're like, oh man, that's nice. I love the way it's got this or that or this thing. We need a new website. So the entire time we were playing this game where we're, we don't have a strategy. Our strategy at best is a prayer and a hope, right? We hope this works. We pray this works. And then the other part of that is we're doing nothing but copying what other people have done. And what creates those viral things, those things that take off, those are things that didn't copy what somebody else did. Those were people who invented, who had a strategy or a plan or a tactic in place that enabled them to go and seed in the way that they did. And if we're not careful, we look at those things and we assume if we just do that thing, it's going to work. When in reality, they didn't just do that thing. They did something that no one else was doing at the time. Yeah, and I love explaining, and this show fits into it perfectly, where a tactic is like one aspect of an overall strategy, right? Building a new website is a tactic attached to what a strategy should be. And then there's a, another operational level plan attached to it, right? Where there's a grand scheme of things. It's like a piece of the puzzle. You can't just throw a new website up there and be like, all right, here it comes. And which is literally what I did. I'm like, ooh, new shiny website. I'm good to go. Ooh, I got a logo off Fiverr. I'm good to go. And there was no, oh, trust me, man, it was bad. Because honestly, <laughs> the very first website I had my logo that I got off Fiverr was blue and silver. 
And the, the website I built on GoDaddy was yellow and gold. And it looked awesome, like a Steelers fan page. And I hate the freaking Steelers. But that's what came out of it. And I'm like, okay, I'm good. Then I spent a few grand on a new website. And it's like, cool. This is like, I'm professional now, right? But there was nothing beyond that. No social media, no blog posts, no podcasts at that point. Like no other content was coming out. So people had to recognize like there is so much more to marketing than just like, here's a website. Like that's just a piece of the puzzle, right? Yeah, no, you're spot on. And that's that whole chapter is really about this notion that if you're not going to be strategic, and figure out how does the website interact with the social media? How does the social media actually interact with our email marketing? How does our email marketing interact with radio or television or whatever it may be? If you don't have a strategy in place that's all encompassing for those things, then you are being too demanding of each individual piece of your marketing. Because like you just say, you know, said in your story was you built the website. And you were like, this is it. Like, I'm, I'm here. This is, you know, people are going to flood the site. Everything's going to be great from here forward. And that is a common mentality that we as entrepreneurs have. And I think part of that is we're often optimistic in the future. We're often very optimistic in the fact that people are going to love what we do, our products or services or our calls or whatever it may be. And the reality is the world, you know, there's these fundamental principles that apply in this world. And the same is true in business. You know, it's like the law of gravity. You know, you go jump off a building, you don't defy the law of gravity. You prove the law of gravity. And the same is true in business and marketing. There are just certain fundamental laws that somehow we as entrepreneurs, and I'm in the same category, that from time to time we fall in this trap where we think we're smarter than these laws or these principles that are in place. And every single time we do that, we end up frustrated. We end up, you know, wasting money on things that don't work. And it all goes back to that thing where we do not have an overarching strategy. We're grabbing tactics. We're grabbing ideas from other people. And, you know, I love to say, you know, most entrepreneurs go around and they, they look at what one competitor does. They grab it and they throw it in a bag. They look at what another one does. They grab it and throw it in a bag. And then they shake it up and they assume that there's going to be this gourmet meal that comes out of the bag. And in reality, you've just dumped a bunch of random things in the bag. No gourmet meal is going to come out of this bag of, of random stuff because you have to have the recipe. You have to have you know, the strategy that tells you how to put all these things together. And hopefully that's part of what the book does. Sounds like a, a good Thanksgiving meal full of leftovers that you just mix together and put on the sandwich. And like, that's the meal for, <laughs> or maybe that's just me growing up. But that was like, it's funny because I mean, that's really what people do is they see like the next shiny object and it could be completely different industries. And I speak on this a little bit because with my production company, we play with websites. We don't build websites. We don't go hardcore into like the custom web dev. We mostly focus on like, if you have a podcast, we'll put it on your website for you and match the branding, right? We don't really try to go far into that side of the marketing world where people see a podcast, oh, shiny, let me do that, but it has nothing to do with the business. And then they go like, oh, I love this social media graphic or what this person is doing on their Instagram. It looks pretty. So they grab that. And then it has nothing to do with the business itself. And like, it just, what I think people don't realize and recognize is like all of it should be a call to action to not even necessarily the website, but an offering on the website, right? There should be something they're being called to where you're kind of taking them through this journey. And I love this. You highlight this in the book where you talk about, it's like the journey that of a friend that you taking somebody from stranger to friend, right? You go down this 
road, this journey with them where they, they don't know who the hell you are. And then all of a sudden you're introducing yourself, you're a friend, then you turn them into a customer. And it's actually a path you take them down. And every platform plays into that in a very similar way or should, right? Yeah. No, spot on. I mean, in the book, I outline what you're referring to is what I call the natural progression. And really that term just comes from this, that, you know, my background is in sales. So I spent years studying sales and, and I actually really enjoy and love selling. But in sales, we all know that there are three components that are needed in order to sell something. Number one, they've got to know about you or your product or service. Number two, they actually have to like it because if they don't like it, they're never going to be interested in whatever it is. And number three, they have to trust that the product or service is going to be a more value, more benefit to them than the money they're going to exchange for that thing. And so when we know that's the way people make decisions about how they buy things. And we step back and we say, okay, well, what's marketing's job? And I believe that when marketing is done well, it removes the need for salespeople. In other words, if your marketing system is so finely tuned and, and flows so well together, you really, it eliminates the need for quote unquote salespeople. Now that doesn't mean you don't have people who do selling, who close the deal, things like that. But the system itself brings people through those stages, through the knowing, through the liking, builds the trust so that when there's the call to action, you've already built the case. Your marketing system has built the case for them to say, okay, here's my money. I trust that this thing's going to do what you say it's going to do, that you're going to stand behind it in the event it doesn't do those things. And that marketing natural progression, if you will, it's not something that we made up. It's not something that, you know, I was just sitting around one day and thought, oh, what would be a great formula to come up with? It's based on human psychology. It's based on the way we're all wired and the way that we all make purchasing decisions. And so my hope is that when we break that down, that natural progression down into those stages, we can say, okay, what marketing campaign do I have in place that is going to put my message out there to the world of strangers, and so strangers would be those people that we believe would be a good fit for our product or service. So it's not just everybody in the world that doesn't know about us. It's everyone who doesn't know about us, but we believe would be a good fit for our product or service. So what's the campaign that we have in place that's going to put our name in front of those people, make us known to those people? And then the next question is, okay, they now know you. What campaign do you have that's going to help them like your product, like your service, and begin building trust around that. So again, when you're systematic or when you have marketing systems in place, you don't have to be so demanding because you break it down to that micro level, the individual steps down that path, and you give each marketing piece or component a very specific role. You know, one analogy that, that I often use is this. If you were going to go out and hire somebody, Zach, and you were to bring them into your company and they show up on the first day and they say, okay, you know, I'm excited to be here. What do you want me to do? And you say, you know, there's a lot to do. Just find something to do and do it. I'm like, okay, all right, I'll do it. But like, do you want me to like check email? Do you want me to like file stuff? Do you want me to go ship stuff? Like, what do you want me to do? You And you're like, oh no, just, just do something. Like just go do something right? That sounds stupid. That sounds foolish, but that's exactly what we do with our marketing. We, we get a website and we say, okay, website, go do something, go bring us customers, but we're not specific. We're not giving that person. So you flip back to this scenario of hiring somebody, that person, first of all, is going to be very frustrated, right? If you don't give them something specific, like here's your role, here's your job, because they don't know how to measure 
if they're doing a good job, if they're not doing a good job. Whereas if that person comes in and you say, okay, your job is customer service. When people call this phone or they email this email address, they're going to be upset probably about something that went wrong with the product, with the service, with our business. It's your job to take that person and to make them not just satisfied with the fact that we fixed the problem, whatever it is, but turn that person into an evangelist for our company. That's your job. And that's how we're going to measure your success. So for every hundred people that you interact with, how many of those people actually leave and say, thank you so much. You've made a difference. I'm willing to go tell other people about your product or service. So long analogy, but the point is exactly what you were referring to is this, that we can't, expect our marketing to work if we don't give it specific roles. Yeah, I love that. And one that really made me laugh when it hit, and it's always kind of faddish. And there's some people like Gary Vaynerchuk that maybe he just catches it early enough and he hits a platform and he goes and, and maybe he just has the intuition for it. But one platform that came out in the last year or so is Clubhouse. And people dove headlong into Clubhouse, started building these rooms, spending all this time on Clubhouse. I know one guy, he has a one of the highest rated clubhouse rooms, but then can't monetize it. He has no clue what to do with it, but he has all these amazing people. He has all these, this audience. People rave about, oh, he's the clubhouse guy, and then he's done nothing with it. He's still a struggling entrepreneur that is still li- living paycheck to paycheck. Can you talk to us a little bit about like when you hit something well and something does start working, what should you do with it at that point as far as like monetizing it? Or is there something, a strategy that like, okay, cool, Clubhouse is going really well for me. Now what? Yeah. So again, it goes back to the action and the asset. So if you're building a platform on Clubhouse or you pick the platform, it doesn't matter. The question becomes, what do you actually have? What is the actual asset there? So the person you're referring to, they have a tribe, if you will. They have a community of people who are interested in a certain topic or a certain genre that they show up in and they converse about. Is that a fairly accurate guess? Yeah, 100%. They talk yeah. about whatever the hell they want to talk about that day. Yeah, I mean, it's, it doesn't yeah, even yeah. have a, a theme to it, right? Yeah, so that person has now a tribe or an asset. So the question then becomes, what do you do with the asset? And so for us as marketers or as entrepreneurs, we have to be careful that we don't confuse, again, the asset with the platform itself. So the question then becomes, can you leverage that asset in other platforms or in other ways? Where can you take that asset, which in this case is the tribe of receptive people who are there to engage in dialogue, engage in conversation, Where can you take those people? How can you leverage that asset for, if you've got a business for your business, how do you leverage it for that business? But I I think the important point is this, that the platform doesn't matter. What matters is the mentality around the asset itself. And as entrepreneurs, one of the most important assets that you or I can create is a responsive, receptive audience to our messaging. That's a very important asset. But because of all the other things taking place in our lives as entrepreneurs, right, the the million different plates we have spinning at any point in time, we lose sight of the fact that Clubhouse isn't the asset, is that community, those people in that thing. So in the midst of all the chaos and all the confusion and all the other things going on, we start believing that we're a quote-unquote influencer in the platform. And yeah, that may be a true statement, 
but there's no value in that. Just like you just said, there's no value for him to be or for her to be that quote unquote influencer, the, the person who's known as the clubhouse person, right? There's no value in that. The value becomes when you understand how to leverage that asset into things that are monetizable. I don't think that's a word, but you can monetize. So I think that's the important point. Yeah, that, that's. I think that's a great point. And it's something I do with my clients, my coaching clients, where we focus on a lot of my coaching is built around podcasting, like how to launch a podcast, build a business off the podcast, where people want to monetize it. And they think same with like YouTube, like all of a sudden somebody monetized YouTube through a sponsorship or an ad. And they're like, oh, I made money, but they don't realize it's 10 million downloads and you get, you know, a hundred bucks or some silliness, right? Attached to, I mean, obviously it's better than that, but overall, like you're not making a lot of money. And it's one of those, you have to be a viral person consistently. It's not just one time. You have to be creating good content over and over again. So it's like, what are you offering that's more than a room on Clubhouse? You know, are you offering coaching, training, a product, something? And I think that's what people fail to realize is that's what marketing is. Like marketing 101 is like you have somebody's attention, then you drive them to go buy this. And that's how you end up monetizing whatever it is that you're trying to monetize. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, and I think that's where, you know, we live in this world of quote unquote influencers. And what happens is people end up doing something that creates a, a platform. They build an audience in a platform and then they don't know what to do with it in terms of monetization. And so their immediate thought is, I'm going to build a course on how to become like me in this space, right? So how to become the, the clubhouse guru or how to build a loyal following on clubhouse. And that is where you see so many of these gurus, their careers or their influence kind of phases out as that platform disappears because they haven't actually built a business around that. They position themselves based on that one thing. And that one thing is tied to that one platform. And if nothing else in today's world, the platform doesn't necessarily matter, right? So in other words, Facebook was the thing. Instagram was the thing. You know, TikTok is the thing. There's going to be the new thing that comes along. And so when you tie yourself to a specific platform, you are tying your success to the success of that platform. When people move from that platform somewhere else, if you do not have a business and a strategy built behind that, you are stuck in that platform and with the people who remain in that platform with you. And is there, and this is something that's interesting where I have a membership site built on my website. So I, I drive people, like I was talking about at the top of the show to the battle space community on my website, off of the platforms while recognizing I still use Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn is huge for me. It made me laugh when Facebook and Instagram got shut down. What was that a month or two ago? And like for a day or two, it was just like, disastrous for people and people that built their business solely on one platform. Were like, what do I do now? I can't talk to my clients. And it, it ruined, I mean, it ruined cash flow for a lot of people for the a few days. Right. Is there any recommendation you have of like where to be driving people or is it really that? Cause I know it's still a successful method, still build stuff on Facebook, for instance, Facebook groups and, and other aspects. Is that still the best option out there? Or is there somewhere better you drive people? Yeah. Great question. And my answer is going to be somewhat, I don't know if controversial is the right word, but it's going to sound like a, maybe a stupid answer. And the answer is this. I believe that anytime you build influence on any particular platform, 
your responsibility is to take those people off of that platform and put them in a format, in a place that you can actually manage and control. And so the specific answer I would give is I would be encouraging people who have built these platforms, built these followings on these various platforms to drive people to opt in for email list because Facebook can shut down your page and it happens all the time. There are YouTubers who are making literally millions of dollars and end up being banned on YouTube. And so once a huge business, great lifestyle completely disappears overnight because whatever reason, YouTube decides to, to ban them from YouTube. It can be totally arbitrary, right? Like it's just like, oh, like Zuckerberg's like, all right, you're done. I don't like you anymore. And that's the problem with that third-party platform. Yeah. And the reality is, you know, even we see this from time to time on Facebook is things can happen because everything is monitored by computers. It's all algorithms and bots that search. And if they suspect unusual activity, if they suspect anything, these computers, they will shut down your account, your ad account, your page. And you have to then go through a process of getting it reinstated. And they may find out you did absolutely nothing wrong right? I mean, it could have been just a fluke and they picked up on something that they shouldn't have and, and they accidentally shut you down, but they have no responsibility for that. In other words, there's nothing you or I could do to go to them and say, you took down my page for two months. I lost all of my followers. They disappeared because I wasn't there for two months. There's nothing we can do. But if instead we'd built an email list off of those people. And again, it's not like I'm like this huge pro, like, you know, emails, the, the thing to do, but with email, you actually can own that list, right? You can own the names, you can own the email addresses. And yes, you could be on an email platform. You know, there's a lot of them out there and your account can get shut down there, but you always can re-upload that list somewhere else. There's always other email platforms you can take that list to. Yeah, I love that control aspect. And that's one reason I built the membership site on my website is I drive people to that community, right? Where I still have a community elsewhere, but overall it's, more control built on WordPress, not on the reliant third party for a lot of the training programs I have. So I, I think that's great advice. Email lists have been a thing for what, two decades now. So it's like the tried and true method to like maintain contact. And I know for Tactical Friday, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about your ADA framework. But before we really dive into that, and I let you go for today, what would be like the one tip, the one thing that we should do in our marketing world that is that first step into that new marketing greatness for 2022? Yeah, great question. What I would say, Zach, is the most important thing that anyone listening could do in terms of getting their marketing right for 2022 would be this, to completely stop everything you're doing today. Put it on pause temporarily. Spend a couple of weeks auditing your own marketing system. Now, every single person listening, if you're doing any form of marketing at all, you have a marketing system and it's producing results based on the system that you built. So it may be a terrible system that you built. It may be a bunch of random things thrown into to the bag, like we talked about earlier, and you're shaking them up, hoping something great comes out. But every single person who does any form of marketing has a marketing system. So the question simply becomes, does the marketing system I have in place produce the results that I want and need to get where I want to be by the end of this year? And this is what I can say for most people. The answer is going to be no, and that's okay. Because until we face that reality, until we look at ourselves in the mirror and say, look, 
I can't keep doing this and expect different results. This isn't working. Pouring more money, more time, more attention into these scattered things is not going to produce more consistent results. It's going to still produce results, but they're going to be that same scattered occasional results, you know, here and there. So the most important thing to do, pause everything you got going, spend some time auditing your own marketing system. Now, how do you audit your own marketing system? Very simple. Look at the components you have. So if you're doing some posts on Facebook, you're doing posts on Instagram, you're doing a newsletter, go back through that and ask yourself this question. When I post on Facebook, what is the desired outcome for that post? When I send out an email newsletter, what is the desired outcome for that, that newsletter? And so what you want to look at, think of it, you know, the old marketing funnel, if you will, all of your pieces and components should bring people closer to a purchasing decision and they should flow down that direction. So when you start crafting your strategy, just simply ask yourself, when I go post on Facebook, what is it going to lead people to do next? And maybe that's the beginning of the funnel, or maybe that's near the end. It doesn't matter. When I send out an email, where's it going to lead people next? How is that going to bring them closer to the point of sale? So that would be my advice for getting your marketing right for 2022. I love that. I think that's honestly best advice. People aren't going to want to hear it, right? But until you identify what's not working, you can't fix the problem, right? You're not going to fix what you think is not broken. So I think auditing that is great advice. And when I think it's phenomenal, definitely this Friday, we're going to come back, talk about your ADA framework, talk through that overall, like how we're going to build our marketing for 2022. And overall, man, I just appreciate the time, the energy that you brought today. What's the best way for people to reach out to you, connect with you, see the content you have, and of course, pick up your book. Absolutely. The, the simplest place, Zach, would just be our website, uglymugmarketing.com. You know, from there, you can get to all our social channels, our blog, et cetera. For the book specifically, I mean, it's available on all the you know, major retailers online, et cetera. So go there, grab a copy. Awesome. Wayne, thanks for your time, my friend. Thank you, Zach. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Tactical Leadership Podcast. And I hope you got a ton of value out of what we talked about today. I also want to remind you that this show is brought to you by Night Protection Services. If you're a leader in a small to mid-sized business that does five to $10 million a year in revenue and want to improve retention costs, which could actually add up to being twice your employee's salary, all through creating a safer work environment and saving up to 25% in insurance costs, be sure to visit nightprotectionllc.com.